It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum Number 207, podcast that looks at news and views and culture from a Christian perspective, but is open to all. Now, bear with me for this week because it's quite a heavy one, um, and hopefully you'll see it through to the end, and I'll try not to be too long. But this will give you some idea. Here's Barry Maguire. The Eastern world, it is exploding, violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating. But you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. I ah, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? Can't you feel the fears I'm feeling today? If the button is pushed, there's no running away. There'll be no one to save with the world in a grave. Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you, boy. And you tell me. That was The Eve of Destruction, written by P.F. Sloan in 1964. Words which are, how will I put it, um, apposite to today. They really are. Are we on The Eve of Destruction, or is there a great reset to come? Now, I'm, the minute I mention the words great reset, there are some of you who will instantly react because you will wholeheartedly agree and you will suggest that there's a demonic conspiracy that the global elites are taking over etc etc and then there are others of you who will react to go have you lost your mind how dare you talk about the grave great reset it doesn't exist and kind of in between those two positions there there is i think a great deal of truth so first of all listen to this we have an incredible opportunity to create entirely new sustainable industries, investing in nature as the true engine of our economy, changing our current trajectory will require bold and imaginative action together with determination and decisive leadership. In order to secure our future and to prosper, we need to evolve our economic model putting people and planet at the heart of global value creation. If there is one critical lesson we have to learn from this crisis, we need to put nature at the heart of how we operate. We are on the verge of catalytic breakthroughs that will alter our view of what is possible and profitable. 
within the framework of a sustainable future. We need nothing short of a paradigm shift, one that inspires action at revolutionary levels and pace. We simply cannot waste any more time. The only limit is our willingness to act. And the time to act is now. Now that's June 2020, the Prince of Wales, the head of the annual Davos Summit, launched this initiative, calling for the pandemic to be seen as a chance for what they called a great reset of the global economy. Um, the COVID-19 crisis was seen just as a tremendous opportunity to reset everything, how societies prioritise things, the direction of national economies, the future state of global relations, the nature of business model and, and political management as well. Now, here's the problem. The founder of the initiative, Professor Klaus Schwab, is the head of the World Economic Forum, which organises this annual summit in a Swiss ski resort for not for the likes of you and me, but for some of the world's wealthiest and most powerful people. He himself explained... The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine and reset our world to create a healthier, more equitable and more prosperous future. There's a great reset podcast and a 280 page book. It is beyond irony that a group of wealthy billionaires meeting in uh, Switzerland dare to talk to us about things being more equitable. And this group, which has phenomenal power, phenomenal wealth, phenomenal power, phenomenal influence, is not elected by anybody. They just decide to do this themselves. So here, for example, is Klaus Schwab, who just sounds so much like a Bond villain, explaining how influential they have become. And I have to say... Um when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now, the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brazil, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Right. Now, what do we do with all of this? There are two extreme reactions to this. One is just to turn it into a conspiracy theory, um, to think it's more deliberate than it actually is, and to add a whole lot of other conspiracy theories onto it. So no, this doesn't have anything to do with Bill Gates and vaccine, for example. But the other thing you can do is you silence those who have concerns by labeling them conspiracy theorists. It's, I, I know whenever I disagree with somebody, they're going to say something like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist or you're a fascist. It's one of those two things. Now, we're on a civilizational moment. I believe that. We are on the edge. Which way will it go? I don't know. But let's explore some of the things that are going on at the moment. And I am going to use some of my favorite 
What will I, are they dystopian songs or angry songs or whatever? I think I'll make a playlist of this. But here are the cranberries. singing their song Zombies, one of the most powerful and angry songs you'll ever hear about the situation in Northern Ireland. And I, I've been reminded of this because there have been lots of TikTok videos about the Dutch farmers who are protesting about um, the Great Reset, if you like, that they're trying to take place in the Netherlands, killing up to half the animals. The government want to do that taking over a third of the farms to reduce nitrogen. And the, the plan of the Great Reset is to have poorer countries in Asia and Africa provide food, which somehow is then transported to Europe or to America or whatever. Uh, and the Dutch farmers are furious about this, and rightly so, and we've covered a little bit of their protest. Um, and I've seen a lot of videos which have ACDC or, or you know, angry songs like that. Well, here's this wonderful clip. Now, I'm not going to play it all because it's in Dutch and intelligent as you are, I'm not sure that many of you speak Dutch. I know we have some Dutch listeners, so good morning to you. And uh, But please do let me know what's going on in your country. But here is the Dutch MP Gideon van Meeren. This is the Heer Klaus Schwab, oprichter and voorzitter van het World Economic Forum. En hij heeft ook een boek geschreven met als pakkende titel COVID-19, The Great Reset. En mijn vraag aan de demissionair minister-president is, hoe beoordeelt hij de inhoud van dit boek? De minister-president. Ik ken het boek niet, voorzitter. Maar ik zou de heer Van willen adviseren om niet al te veel in al die conspiracy-theorie... Okay, that's just a part of a conversation which goes like this. He's asking, in the Dutch parliament, the Dutch premier, Mark van Rutte about uh, his, how he judges the content of Klaus Schwab's book about the Great Reset. And van, Mark Van Ruta makes light of this. He says, I do not know this book, which, by the way, is highly questionable. I'm sure that's a lie. But I would like to advise Mr. Van Meeren not to look too much into these conspiracy theories. And he then goes on to talk about YouTube videos about 9-11. Now, this is a classic tactic that if you don't want to answer something, you ridicule your opponent but by implying they're basically allied with nutcases. But uh, Gideon van Meijeren was prepared and he pointed out that he had a letter dated the 26th of November 2020 from Mark van Ruta to Klaus Schwab 
thanking him for sending the book and calling it, quote, a hopeful analysis for the future. He then asked Mark Van Rutus to answer with honesty. And this is what Van Rutus said. And honestly, you should watch the video. I'll put a link to it because the, the stenographer behind the MP couldn't stop laughing. And it is pathetically funny. He said that um, it's a letter out of politeness because unfortunately you can't read all the books you're sent in, uh, but you do want to send a friendly letter to those who sent you a book. Well, do you know, I'm afraid I'm one of these people. I get sent books. Maybe not as many as Mark Van Ruta. I get asked to endorse books. I'm not going to endorse a book or comment on a book I haven't read. So as Gideon Van Meeren pointed out, either Mark Van Ruta was lying to him or was lying to Klaus Schwab. And he also pointed out that Mr. Schwab wants to reset our world. And in the book, it does say this. They want to replace parliamentary democracy with a global technocracy. They want the end of private property. And yet, Ruta calls this a hopeful analysis for the future. Now, one of the reasons the Dutch thing is so significant is because it is the second largest agricultural exporter in the world, which is incredible for such a small nation. It's so efficient. And Van Ruta wants to stop this. And yet, the UN have just told us that on November the 15th, that will be the day that the world's population crosses the 8 billion mark. You know, I don't know. Who's growing the most? Well, India is going to overtake China as the world's most populous country by next year. It's estimated that in the 2080s, the population will be 10 billion. And the majority of that growth will be India, Congo, Egypt, Ethiopia, Nigeria, Pakistan, the Philippines and Tanzania. Now, also as part of what's going on in the world is, of course, climate change. And again, the Dutch government are doing this because they say they want to reduce climate change. And yet, at the same time, we know there are 43 new coal power stations being built in China. We also know, because of the Ukraine war, that the climate change targets in Europe are completely gone. Here's an extraordinary thing. I never thought I'd see this. This is the mad world. The SDP Green Coalition in Germany has won a vote in the Bundestag backing more coal burning so that the three remaining nuclear plants can be switched off as planned this year. Now, nuclear plants don't produce any CO2 emissions. Coal obviously does. Rather than give up their anti-nuclearness, they're prepared, apparently, to let the planet burn. And then one other aspect in all of this, in the mess that the world is in. Liquid gas is being diverted from poor countries to Europe. The price has increased 1,900%. The current price is equivalent to $230 per barrel of oil. Poorer countries like Bangladesh can't afford it. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to turn to coal and probably cheap, dirty coal. This is not working out well. All right, let's have another apocalyptic song. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. The end of our elaborate plans. The end of. Stand 
the end most famous from being at the end of uh, apocalypse now okay we're going to talk about the end of boris johnson and and well his government will certainly they're going to have a, a new leader but listen to how it happened actually the first time i started thinking about properly uh, resigning was uh, this time last week actually and uh, and uh, I've been sort of struggling with this decision for a while. I've been given the benefit of, doubt, of the doubt again and again. And then on Tuesday morning, I went to this national prayer breakfast in Parliament. And uh, sounds might sound a bit strange, but I was listening to the sermon by this amazing man, Reverend Les Isaac. You know, he started street pastors. And I was listening to him talk about the importance of integrity in public life. And uh, just focusing on that, I made up my mind. I went straight back to my office and drafted the resignation letter and went to see the Prime Minister later in the day. So Sajid Javid heard a sermon and decided he would resign. And when he resigned, uh, Sunak resigned and others resigned and Johnson had to go. Well, we wonder what's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> that's just an extraordinary story. So at the time of me recording this, Rishi Sunak is ahead. Penny Morden is second. Liz Truss third. Uh, Nadim Zahawi, the Chancellor, and the Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, have been eliminated. Um, I'm not over keen on any of them. Tom Tugendhat, uh, Sula Braverman, and Kemi Badenoch are all through. The rest are all out. So what's my problem? Well, Sunak is a WEF globalist, following our theme. Uh, he stabbed Johnson in the back. There's no doubt about that. He had a video ready to go. Um, his video is all about himself and his identity, Morden doesn't know what a woman is and lied about it. Um, she's also a member of the WEF. The foreword for her book was written by Bill Gates. I guess Schwab's looking at this with great delight. Liz Truss and Tugendhat, as far as I can see, are basically liberals. Braverman, as far as I know, seems okay. But the one I absolutely love is this lady. What we are against is the teaching of contested political ideas as if they are accepted facts. We don't do this with communism, we don't do this with socialism, we don't do it with capitalism. And I want to speak about a dangerous trend in race relations that has come far too close to home to my life, and it is the promotion of critical race theory, an ideology that sees my blackness as victimhood and their whiteness as oppression. I want to be absolutely clear, this government stands unequivocally against critical race theory. The, some schools have that is Kemi Badenoch. Uh, in her speech introducing her candidacy, she spoke about the truth setting you free. Um, she is, seems by far the most intelligent. She's the most original. She, I would just love if this young black woman who is just different, I would love it if she became the prime minister of Great Britain. I can't see it happening. It's too much to hope for, but miracles can happen. But I suspect it will be one of the WEF technocrats who will, will get it. And then we've looked at climate change, we've looked at the collapse of government. Let's look at corruption and let me introduce this with The Who.
that's the who won't get fooled again. Uh, we're talking here about the situation in Sri Lanka, where the uh, president has been forced to leave. You've maybe seen the scenes of the rioting and everything else. The new premier calls protesters fascists. Note again, people you don't like, you just call them fascists. Well, what's happened? Sri Lanka, the old British colony of Ceylon, this should not be the case. It's one of the wealthiest and was relatively well-run countries. Um, it's, but it's now a failed state. And how did that happen? Well, they had a tsunami. They had a global recession. And the pandemic didn't help. But this is where the Great Reset stuff becomes so dangerous. Firstly, Sri Lanka got entangled with China's Belt and Road program, where the Chinese gave vast sums of money to an election campaign in return for what? The Chinese loans have to be repaid via increased taxes on the people least able to afford them. China says nothing is amiss, but where did that money go? And then there was the extraordinary tale of uh, listening to the, the green agenda and deciding to ban fertilizer. Well, as a result, crops have failed. And as a result, people are starving. That's where the Great Reset is going. People don't think about the poor. And if you contrast the wealth of the, the palace and the poverty of the poor, you can see a pattern that's being repeated in Argentina and other countries in the world. As for corruption, there's a great report in The Guardian uh, about Uber where they have obtained 124,000 documents known as the Uber files, which show that for five years, Uber lobbied governments, prime ministers, presidents, billionaires, oligarchs, media barons. In other words, your great re your World Economic Forum people, your great reset people, and boasted about how Macron and others aided them. Okay, time for another song. Oh, my name, it ain't nothing. My age, it means less. The country I come from is called the Midwest. I start and brought up there the laws to abide. And that the land that I live in Has got on its side That's Bob Dylan with God on our side. One of the things that happens in the world is because people think God is on their side or because people are anti-religion, there can be a great deal of violence. And I'm referring here to the death of uh, the Prime Minister, Abe. The, sorry, he wasn't. He was the former Prime Minister. The current Prime Minister is Fumi, Fumio Kishida of Japan. And uh, Abe was the longest, I think he's the longest serving Prime Minister in Japan. He was killed by a gentleman who was concerned about his wife's connection with the Unification Church. It's just, we live in such an unstable world and 
we always maybe the man was mentally unwell who knows but it's just so sad when something like that happens now here's another aspect of the unstable world forgive me for this song please allow me to introduce myself i'm a man of wealth and taste i've been around for a long long year stole many a man's soul and faith Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain. Me damn sure that Pilate washed his hands and sealed his face. Pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. That is the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil. Um, it's a genius of a song. I guess what's puzzling you is the nature of my, ga- of my game. I love the bit about being around in St. Petersburg. I've just been reading Anthony Beaver's Russia, which uh, describes that period of time in Russian history. And uh, I do think, I'm sorry, but I do think there is, the, the devil is behind much of this. Now, again, you have to be really careful how you say there are principal, principalities and powers at work, and he's seeking to destroy I mean, what else do you call this but devilish? So a report has just come out that about it was an investigation into the grooming and sexual exploitation of more than 1,000 children in Telford in England. And the reason it happened was because the perpetrators were largely uh, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, uh, I was going to say immigrants, maybe they had been around for a while, but the police didn't want to be accused of being racist, neither did the social workers. So this sexual abuse was allowed to continue. And the report states that. Dates back to the 1980s. Teachers and youth workers were discouraged from reporting o- obvious evidence that police dismissed as child prostitution. Westminster police were apprehensive about investigating the alleged abusers, which largely had men from Pakistani and Asian backgrounds to avoid being labelled racist. Children were often blamed instead of the culprits. Now, it wasn't just Telford. Newcastle, Rochdale, Oxford, Keighley, Derby, Peterborough, Bristol, London, Huddersfield, Manchester, Oldham, Coventry, Middlesbrough, Burton-on-Trent, Bradford, Birmingham, Nottingham, Hull, Yeovil, Sheffield, Aylesbury, Glasgow, Blackpool, Bolton, Leicester, Ipswich. It's an extraordinary list. And because people were scared of being accused of being racist, thousands, thousands of young girls were abused. And I think this is devilish as well. A member of the Bellingham School Board in Washington State, who is also the owner of a sex shop, is offering sexual education classes to children and teens as part of a workshop series on a variety of topics, including gender and sexual identity and sexual autonomy for pleasure. It's going to take place at the Wink Wink Boutique in August for children aged 9 to 12 and then for 13 to 17 year olds. It's meant to be sex education that's based on empowerment and information. It includes classes like sexual anatomy for pleasure and reproduction, safer sex practice for all kinds of sexual activity. Nine-year-olds. Nine-year-olds. That's what we call pedophilia. Don't tell me that's not evil. 
So all this is going on. What is the solution? I'm going to return to the who again. I learned how to raise my voice in anger. Never look at my face and this a smile. I'm happy when life's good and when it's bad I cry. To get what I'm after Till the day I die I won't get to get what I'm after Till the day I die That was The Seeker. I learned how to raise my voice in anger. Yeah, but look at my face. Ain't this a smile? I'm happy when life's good. And when it's bad, I cry. I've got values, but I don't know how or why. I'm looking for me. You're looking for you. We're looking at another and we don't know what to do. I've looked under chairs. I've looked under tables. I've tried to find the key to 50 million fables. They call me the seeker. I've been searching low and high. I won't get to get what I'm after till the day I die. I asked Bobby Dylan. I asked the Beatles. I asked Timothy Leary, but he couldn't help me either. If you're seeking, where's the answer? Well, The Week reported this week that experts, we all trust experts, don't we, have found that people who regularly attend religious services tend to live longer, smoke, drink and take drugs less, experience fewer symptoms of depression and exercise more. Those who regularly attended religious services were 27% less likely to die early and 33% less likely to suffer symptoms of depression. Given that England is uh, now, I think it's one in seven people are on antidepressants. So let me go back to Prince Charles. Prince Charles talks about putting nature at the centre. He says the only limit is our willingness to act. The rich and powerful like to think that because they like to think that they're rich and powerful because they deserve it and because of what they did. That's not true for Prince Charles, for example. And I doubt it's true for Klaus Schwab. Instead of putting nature at the centre, maybe we need to put God at the centre. Instead of worshipping the creation, maybe we should worship the creator. Now that means we will take care of the creation. Mind you, the Church of England seems to disagree. Or at least seems to agree with Prince Charles. A campaigner on gender issues has warned that disagreements over defining womanhood may split the church. That was Mike Davidson of the Core Issues Trust. And what had happened was Bishop Reverend Robert Innes had been asked, what is the Church of England's definition of a woman? And he said, there is no official definition which reflects the fact that until fairly recently, definitions of this kind were thought to be self-evident as reflected in the marriage liturgy. You know the, the saying, I think it was G.K. Chesterton, that once you lose your belief in God, you lose your belief in humanity. The Church of England can't tell us who God is. Can't tell us who women are. Doubt it can tell us who men are. So what's the answer? The answer is the God of creation. And we look at the creation and we see him in that creation. Um, So this week, there's just an amazing, I'm going to put a photo of it. I'm sure most of you will have seen it. 
from the James Webb Space Telescope, which was released by NASA, allowing us a peek into, uh, a peek into the universe. And it's just a tiny speck. Yeah, I think it was NASA Chief Bill Nelson who said, if you held up a grain of sand on the tip of your finger at arm's length, that's the part of the universe that you're seeing, just one little speck of the universe. But it's massive. Job 26.14 says this, And these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? Instead of us pathetic humans, even the rich and powerful of the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset guys saying, we can control this, we can deal this, we need to look to the God who created the whole massive universe, a universe that's so unbelievably large that we just bow in awe and wonder at the one who created it. Of course, our culture is so obsessed with itself that hasn't been the response to that. I read this article. I thought it was a spoof, but it's not. Um, apparently, there's a complaint that the NASA telescope, which is called the James Webb Space Telescope, is homophobic. Yep. Why? Because it's named after a man, James Webb, who oversaw the Lavender Scare during his tenure as NASA's second administrator. Wow. Just wow. We've got homophobic telescopes. You see the great wonders of the universe, and what are you concerned about? A homophobic telescope. No, I'd rather worship the God who is there. I'm going to leave you with a story and a song. The story I've written about uh, it was Matthew Paris, the journalist, who was, I'll not uh, read the whole thing out for you, but you please read it on the website. He was uh, challenged by a delivery driver, maybe not challenged. He said, you're Matthew Paris, said the delivery driver. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus? I reply that I'm sure Jesus existed and love and respect the character whose description has come down to us through the ages, but that I do not believe he was the Son of God and do not believe in God at all. But he said he was, said the young man. I replied that Jesus probably was under a misapprehension. The cycle is paused to think. Well, he said, Jesus loves you, even if you won't acknowledge him. I will pray for you. And with that, he cycled off. I was curiously moved. Yeah, because Jesus is the only hope in this world. There's a great reset coming. Behold, I make all things new. There's a new heavens and a new earth, Second Peter 3.13. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Even so, come soon, Lord Jesus. I'm going to leave you with how great thou art. Um, when I look up, when I see the stars, I know how great God is. I see these puny human beings who think they can control the future and reset the world. And I feel sorry for them because I know the one who really is going to reset it. And you can too. So, uh, see you next week. I think I'm going to do a Scottish special. And even if you're not from Scotland, I hope you'll appreciate it. And uh, because we've been doing all big, heavy stuff. Uh, if you want more information go on to the website and you'll get a lot of links to these stories if you'd like to support us go to the podbean fundraiser feel free to do so if you've got any comments get in touch with me god bless you and see you next week oh lord my god when i in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made I see the stars 
I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and see the blue and feel the gentle then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, oh, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great. God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great Thou art.